Ooh. You know what that is? Oh, is it the spooky time? It's Halloween special. That was the jingle jangle of a skeleton's bones. Oh, no. Oh, we've been haunted by a skeleton. Oh, no. They're coming to get us like in in that Christmas carol. Oh, what the fuck else is on my desk? Uh... Ooh. I'm the ghost of video games future. There's lots of microtransactions. It's my rude Ralph toy from the 80s. You pull its eyeball out and it goes... As the string goes back in. No batteries needed for that. It's just something. It's just a thing. So that's spooky. I have a thing that that makes it's not it's not spooky, but it makes sounds and it's on my desk and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have I'm gonna get out now. Fuck, I'm scared. It's, it's a fucking Power Ranger morpher and it makes little sounds. Oh god, Power Rangers has monsters in it, and monsters are scary for Halloween. Yeah, it's got dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a little medal of a T-Rex on this one. Ooh. They're extinct! Um, there was me just flicking some Skeleton Warriors cards. So again, skeletons. That also is, you know, a Halloween. Well, I mean, here's what I've brought to the spooky episode. I brought my skeleton. I got one right inside me. I brought it here to recording just for spooky day. Ooh. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Conrad, what have you brought for Spooky Day? Uh, rent is due on the first. Oh, God. That is pretty fucking spooky. Conrad always makes things real. <laughs> he makes them real, and then I'm scared for real. It's okay, we can be scared of ghosts again. Ooh. I can't think about ghosts, I'm just thinking about rent. I'm just thinking about <laughs> landlords, the scariest monsters of them all. Ooh. <laughs> Welcome to Pogquisition, everyone. Yeah, that'll do, wouldn't it? That'll do. Yeah. yeah. Fuck's sake. There's video games. We're probably going to talk about some of them. Probably. Mm-hmm. One or two, I suspect. Seems likely. Who's who's played a video game this week? One would hope we all have. I mean, you'd, you would hope that. I, and you I, would I hope guess I that. did. I did play a few video yeah. games. It took me a while to like remember that I'd played video games. Well, there must have been some bomb burners. Uh, there was some burning. Well, there we go. I did finish that nuclear blaze that I was talking about last week from the Dead Cells creator. Oh, yeah. How is it? It's interesting because when I had said last week that I felt like I was about at the midpoint of the game, uh, no. I was not at the midpoint of the game. I was in the last, like, 10, 20% of the game. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it was over real fast. I'd fired it up to play it on the stream on Friday, and uh, I was done in 20 minutes. That's Sometimes that's how it is. Yeah, sometimes that's how it is. And it's a very, very good experience. It's because I wanted it to be so much more than it was. And I don't know that... I'd have been happier with a whole lot more content because you never know how far that sort of thing can drag something out and get tedious. This yeah. has interesting use of the mechanics it presents to you. Uh, it's really fun to play, but it is very short. And I don't I don't even know because I was gifted the copy of it that I have. What What is it selling for? It is $9.99 in the U.S.? Yeah, all right. I see a lot of com I saw a lot of complaints about you know oh it's not enough value for money. Uh, go fuck yourself. Uh, Ten bucks? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. 
totally fine for 10 bucks. I don't see anything wrong with that. But I will I will say, yeah, it's short. It's, you know, three hours, maybe. You know what? That's actually made me more interested in it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely love one. I'd like, oh, a game is good and it doesn't out say it's welcome and I can complete it in a sitting. Hell yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I would say two and a half to three hours. You could do it in a sitting. I didn't realize, well, I think the only reason I didn't do it in a sitting is because we had to record Podquisition last week. Otherwise, I, I would have just finished and been like, oh, that was short. Hmm. But um, yeah, it it's very good. It is very good. It is brief, but that's the only thing that I can can say in complaint about it is that I I really would have enjoyed playing it a little bit longer. And I am going back through and trying to find all the cats. Um, that is a feature that is sorely lacking from this is that there's no level select. Ah. And so if you miss a cat, you have to go back from the very beginning. Hmm to try and find them all. And there's like a hidden door or there's a special door at the last stage that if you have all the cats, presumably it opens. And I want to know what's behind that. And I'm on like the the fifth or sixth level and I'm sure that there has to be a cat here. There is sort of, I guess, maybe an indicator if there's a cat in the level because there should be a place for the cat, like a designated exit for the cat at the exit of the stage. Yeah. And so I suppose it's possible that... Some stages lack that, and that's supposed to be the indicator. Are there ever more than one cat in a level? No. No? Okay. Which also would lead me to suspect that there's one in every level. Yeah. But then I saw patch notes as it was, you know, releasing that they'd added two more cats. So I don't know what the fuck's going on with the cats. I want to find them all. Other things I forgot to mention last week, though, that are really cool, because I mentioned accessibility features in terms of making the game significantly easier or even more difficult, you know, in, yeah. in its basic options. It also has a kid mode. Okay. Which has I think, four or five specially designed levels that uh, they had made intended for their three-year-old to play. Where, you know, there's, I, I don't think you get hurt. I believe um, your water is infinite. And the goal is just to rescue all the kitties in the stage. Um, and I haven't played those yet, but that's uh, that's really cool. That's a really, really nice idea in that, like, there is a real thing that can happen with children of, I see you playing a cool thing, I want to play what you're playing. And, uh, the game's a bit difficult. Being able to go, okay, here you go and hand them kid mode yeah that's real nice yeah yeah so anyway i like nuclear blaze i think it's it's a good game that people will enjoy and should play Mm. yeah i played a spooky season game Mm. that's good for the halloween special which has been off to a terrifying start oh i have been playing inscription which is the new game from the developer of Pony Island. Oh, yeah, this is an interesting one. Yeah, have you had a chance to look at this at all yet, Steph? I've not. I was on Casey Explosion's stream while she was playing it. Um, I haven't got around. I need to play it. I haven't got around yet. It's a very streamable game, and I want to do a stream of it at some point soon. So for anyone who's not played it or seen it, it is all set in a weird, creepy log cabin, and you were set across the table from... A very unsettling, very difficult to see spooky figure. And the idea is that you are playing a very simple trading card game. The mechanics are cards cost a certain number of sacrifices to get out in the field. So some of them are, are completely free, but won't be very good. 
Um, some of them you have to destroy cards you've already put out to get them out. Uh, you've got attack points and you've got health, and you can place them in one of five positions in front of you, which will dictate what they attack, so they attack things in front of you. The thing is, very quickly it becomes apparent the cards you are playing with are in some way sentient and feel pain when sacrificed huh. and know things about what is happening in this building. Ooh. And there is some really interesting narrative built around this card game. There are a lot of mechanics that you encounter along the way that slowly build up the complexity. There is a sort of map in between fights where you can sort of pick directions and there'll be options that are things like sacrifice a card for the entire run. Uh, this is a sort of run-based game to give its special abilities to a different card, which retains all its stats. And that is described as putting its soul inside the other card. And like cards will beg for you not to put their soul in another card. I don't want to get too into it. There are some very interesting mechanics that make use of how willing are you to be callous about your cards versus how much do you keep them around and hope that they will tell you things that will help you progress because they might legitimately be useful if you can keep them alive, if you can keep them from taking damage or being sacrificed, they may be able to offer other kinds of support to you. The game is very unsettling in a very interesting kind of way. There is real Saw Trap kind of vibes at times about this in that sort of... You know, in the early Saw films, take away a little of the, like, the deliberately just trying to gross you out with the how violent it is. But there's always that sense of like, aha, this is, this is, this is a game and I will be very mad if you, if you do not follow the rules, if you're going to follow one to survive, that kind of, mm -hmm. that kind of, I'm afraid to fuck with you because, like, you are going to murder me kind of vibes. They've been real interesting. You can kind of explore the cabin around where you're playing cards in between matches. And there is a lot of stuff to explore that can add cards to your deck permanently. Have interesting benefits if you take the risk to mess around with it. And I, I think I'm going to talk about one remaining thing about it that I thought was really interesting and that I don't want to talk any further because like this game has a lot of really interesting ideas beyond its first couple of runs that people should explore for themselves. When you lose runs, you have to, before your character is killed, make a card based on the character who's just died that will be playable in future runs. Oh, cool. That will have certain stats based on things in your deck, and that seems to have some terrifying narrative implications. Yeah. If you like a very basic deck builder that is a lot more about, like, the, the, the deck building is largely there to facilitate creepy storytelling, choice-based narrative, and just some really interesting, like, subtle choice moments told through gameplay. Mmm, it's real good. It is very much my jam. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to sitting down with it. Just gotta make myself sit and do it. It's it's one of those that like once I got a couple of runs in and realized like, okay, even as it layers in mechanics, it does so very slowly as to not be overwhelming. Like it's very easy to pick up and be like, I'm not very good at trading card games. Nah, don't worry, it's fine. We're we're gonna really ease you into it. 
Yeah, it's a really good spooky game. It might be my favorite spooky thing I've 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 experienced in the spooky month. Ooh. I'm not a card game person, but it's piqued my interest. I will probably have to give it a try. Yeah. I'm into card games with gimmicks. Uh like Metal Gear Acid and that was a favorite of mine back in the day. Yeah. Um yeah, if it's if it's deck building with something else uh that I'm into it. Yeah. This is this is deck building if your cards very much had opinions about how you were playing them and would chime up about those in interesting ways. There are a few things as unsettling as the first time you you put a card down and it goes, oh, oh god, that was a terrible fucking move. I'm gonna die. Why the fuck did you do that? I'm like, oh, hmm. okay. I'm I'm sorry. I can't undo that now. Sorry. Neat. Yeah. This is a real neat game. Yeah. Go check out Inscription. I don't want to say much more about it. It's a very cool game. What about you, Steph? What have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing Guardians of the Galaxy, the the new one that dropped. I have also been playing it. It's it's exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Uh, when they showed it, it looked very sort of AAA game, you know, standard. And it's it's a little bit more than that. It's um very nicely written. Yeah. It's entertaining. It's it's not laugh out loud hilarious, but it's it's witty at points. Um, the combat is pretty decent. Uh, your Star Lords, you zip around with your, you know, zippy boots shooting. You know, it's, it's fairly standard shooty bang bang. The lock on is weird. I find the locking on weird. It breaks very easily. That is a setting you can tweak in the accessibility settings. Yeah, I might need to do that. Yeah, I, I found that a little weird on its default setting. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll dig into that, because that is odd. Uh, I might see about changing the way you use Star-Lord's abilities as well. Pushing in the left stick, especially in a game this frantic. I'd rather click the right stick if I could. Yeah. Like, right stick wouldn't be so bad to actually yeah, his ability. Like, it took me a while of, like, why does this ability wheel keep coming up? Oh, it's because I keep accidentally pushing in the stick because I am constantly having to zip around the map and, you know, it's hectic and I'm going to press it in by accident a lot. Um, the combat itself, it's quite frantic, a little bit too much at times. Like, it's hard to keep a like visual eye on everything and not get attacked by enemies off camera. Uh, a lot of things just seem to leap in and get you. But if you can get used to it, it took a little while, if you can get used to just how fast everything is, uh, it's fun. I like the the ability wheel you bring up to command each Guardian to do things. Um, so it's like, you know, you've got a range of abilities that are on cooldowns, like a, a lot of action games, but it's you know, designating the whatever you're looking at, you can get a guardian to attack it in some way, like Groot holding them down, or, or Gamora just like doing a almost a one hit kill to most things. Um, that's cool. Uh, I like the huddles idea where during a fight you can press L1 and R1 together if you're using a controller and it gathers all the guardians together yes. it pauses the fight they all gather together and they start saying things and you have to guess based on what they're saying um the response you get one of two dialogue choices to um give them a, a an attack boost and everything and like even if even if you get it wrong you still get an attack boost it's just whether everyone else does too yeah uh and i like that and it um will play a song, like a random song from the licensed music soundtrack when you do the huddle. So, you know, you'll 
get, like, take on me or something play during the fight. Yeah, while you're all, like, super mega powerful and all your, your cooldowns are much quicker and you get to feel really cool for a sec, yeah. And it's dynamic, you know, because it responds to when you trigger that ability. Uh, so that's good. But I think, honestly, like, I prefer the game when I'm not fighting. Kind of agree! Like, exploring the environment while the characters chatter and doing, uh, like, the character development moments where you talk to them on the ship. Like, that's the best stuff. The stuff I'm so far thinking back on most fondly is some of the weird little mini game side stuff along the way. Like, right at the start of the game, there's a whole section where, um, Rocket challenges you to, there's these weird cocoons, which of us can destroy the most of them before the end of this level? And like, just getting excited sprinting into areas going, is there one? Is there one? Oh, there it is, there it is, go, go. Like, for no actual reward, it was really fun. Had a great time. Yeah, and this is one of the games where they've really pushed the boat out on just how much dialogue they've recorded, how... um uh, responsive, they make the characters feel to your actions. Uh, they seem to have like a different response to you every time you go off the beaten path to go exploring to like find crafting materials and things. Um, they'll have a go at, at Quill for wandering off, and he'll shoot something back. They've got choices and, and interesting stuff like that. Like I don't know how impactful on the game they are because I've only been going through it once so far, but it seems like some. Not insignificant decisions can be made that will affect how the the characters feel and and what what is part of the story. It's a lot more ambitious than I expected it to be, and I want to be clear when I say that. Like I I kind of agree that I'm I in some ways prefer the game when I'm not in combat. That's not to say the combat isn't good. I have genuinely really enjoyed it. It it's basic shooting with like. Essentially, controller mapping for like um, MMO cooldown abilities, yeah. but I like the way they play together. Like, you've basically got hold a big group of enemies in place so that they can't approach you and that you can attack them better. You've got a big area of effect low damage attack. You've got a big stun that does big stun but low actual damage to a single target, and low stun but big damage to a single target, and like. I think they work really nicely together. Like, it, it, it is a very solid starting set of abilities that work nicely. There's tools for most of the things you need from the start, which is always appreciated. Yeah. Like, I don't explicitly want to bring up Marvel's Avengers. Why would you? That piece of shit. But, God, this is, like, everything that's not. It's well written. It's tightly produced. It's got great pacing. The combat isn't rough and glitchy and simplistic. It's got everything to a very high degree of quality. It's an impressive game. I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with the characterization yeah. because in Marvel's Avengers, everything felt like knockoffs. They looked like, you know, there was that common complaint that they looked like stunt doubles for the MCU. In this one... I felt that a little, like, in the first few minutes, but that's all gone now. They feel like their own versions of the Guardians. Hmm. 
they don't feel like they're a, a poor knockoff of the comics or the MCU. Uh, I'm invested in these characters specifically and what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and that's good. And it's got that, it does nonetheless have that feel of the Guardians films, the sort of adventurous, um, lighthearted, adventurous feel. Uh, especially the the stuff with Lady Hellbender. Oh yeah, yeah, like going to meet Lady Hellbender and escaping from that situation. And psh, she's given me feelings. <laughs> yes, she's mm. Mm. she's quite a character, right? Mm. I like her. Yeah, yeah. I I was really quite pleasantly surprised with this for for like a just a single player narrative action game, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the first Marvel game I've played in a long time that isn't a cynically produced, greedy piece of shit. What I'll also say for it is that it has really good accessibility settings and generally just difficulty settings when you dig in. It does one of the things that I absolutely love when games do, which is you've got your difficulty modes, you've got essentially easy, medium, hard, and custom, but let's say you pick medium it will then show you what all those settings are you've just picked yes and you can tweak any of them yeah if you pick a difficulty setting it will basically go do you want to customize from there i know that custom is a bit intimidating but you can you can tweak that saying if you want and i love when games do that it's extensive just the amount of things you can tweak the amount of different features you can change the difficulty of uh, i was very impressed yeah like I'm gonna be honest. I'm 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 not here for like a huge challenge. So like I, I set it on normal, but I turn my cool and my cool down so they'll be much faster because I just want to do the cool shit. Don't make me wait to do the cool shit. I'm like, yeah, just tweak around with the stuff that's gonna make it more fun for you. There's a lot of stuff in there, and that's really nice. Yeah, uh, you know, games, especially if you're spending upwards of sixty bucks on them. Yeah, they shouldn't gatekeep you from the content you bought. As many years ago, a friend of mine said, like. Video games are the only medium that lock you off of what you bought by skill level. Yeah. I'm much more willing to recommend the Guardians of the Galaxy than I ever expected to be. Yes. Yes. I am impressed. Yeah. Uh, Conrad, have you played anything else this week? Uh, well, since, you know, we were talking about spooky games, uh, I did play Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Oh! Ah, That's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not brilliant. Yeah, you forget how bad that game is yeah. because it's so like, easy to remember the visuals and the camp and, uh, and the concepts, which are all super fun. But the execution, and for its time, okay, yeah, but boy, going back to it is is rough. And it just makes me a little bit sad that because uh, there had been a Kickstarter for a spiritual successor called Demons Ate My Neighbors, mm. uh, I think last year, mm-hmm. and it did not get anywhere near its goal, I don't think, which is a, a real shame because I, I do think that with a bit of polish and a bit of modernization, Zombies Ate My Neighbors would still be a banger, but like the aiming is very tricky a lot of the hitboxes are very small on enemies. Your movement is a bit looser than and faster than you might want it to be under those circumstances. I, I, I guess the button layout is as good as you might want for 
you know, because it already had four face buttons and shoulders by the Super Nintendo, and it uses them pretty effectively, but it still feels somewhat confusing. Analog, dual analog support just for aiming would oh, change the game so much. Mm. That's a lot of old games with shooting mechanics would benefit from that. Yeah, yeah. The one, so many of them back in the day, around that time, would only shoot in the direction you were moving. Mm -hmm. So you just had to walk into enemies and their bullets. Really annoying. Yeah, and if you are not, you know, quite lined up on one axis, you then have to move up or down or mm -hmm. left or right to get lined up and then redirect to be... Yeah. yeah it, oh, gosh. It, it, it's just... I didn't... You forget how far we've come. Mm-hmm. Like, these days you're so used to what we have that you think to yourself, how could they not? How could they not have known? But you don't know until someone has the idea first. You just do it the way you're used to doing it. Yeah, and there are so many, you know, other external factors in development that can be involved. You know, those systems could be more complex uh, or too complex to get into a small cartridge at the time with all the other shit you want to do. And, you know, optimization. And they were figuring out so much as they went along. And, you know, of course, we didn't even have dual stick in existence yet at that time for controllers. So, I mean, outside of your flight sims and weird oddities. So... Yeah, although even then, I can't help but feel like there might have been a better way to to do that with the face buttons for aiming, and then, like, if you hold down the shoulder button, it's your special item, and if you're just letting it go, then it's your normal. I, there's got to be a better way, but mm, it, it was painful. We played it on stream and... A lot of, yeah, a lot of shooters from that day. Rough. Just fundamentally. Yeah. But I love the vibe. Mm -hmm. I love the vibe and I'll look at gifts of it forever. Yeah. So what about you, Laura? You play anything else? Uh, I think that was my main things. I played Inscription and I played Guardians of the Galaxy. I played two things, but that... Yeah, I, huh. I did once around. So, Steph, what, what else have you played? Well, I played a spooky game. Yeah? Well, no, it was, it's shit. <laughs> I mean, when things are shit, that's kind of spooky. Well, yeah. I had my eye on it for a while. Um, so there's a couple of horror games I've not gotten around to yet this year. And the one I was going to move on to after Absolove was The Wine. The name's interesting. It seemed spooky in trailers. And it was um, cheap on the Switch. It's been reduced in price. So I was like, screw it. I'll get it. Christ. Really? Just just such a hack work it's just i've given up on it because first of all like it's first person and it's the same usual shit here is an enemy chase run around um the stamina is so low and you get so slow if you don't use it or if you run out like you slow to a crawl it's awful the first thing i was doing was like Bargain basement physics puzzles, put some rocks on a block of wood so it doesn't seesaw over, um, do some really bad um, first-person jumping. Then I got to a puzzle, which was there's a row of symbols with another row of symbols under them, and you've got to work out a code to open a door by running around the level and finding bits of paper on the wall that has a picture of the symbols with the correct symbol underneath. 
So you run around, remember all those, run back to the area, change the symbols on the bottom so that they're the right ones to match the ones at the top based on the code you saw. Do that three times, open the door. I want to say five, ten minutes later, there's another one. Now it's four. About ten minutes later, there's another one. There's five. And I said, fuck this game. Just, just three in a row of these shitty code puzzles where you run around looking at pictures and then making the pictures match on a slidey dial. I haven't even gotten to the bit where the sort of the main enemy is chasing you with the gun. I don't know how that plays, but I'm just, it's so dull and it's so by the numbers horror. I was hoping for more, but no, like, can we just stop? Can we just stop with these games? Like, if you don't have original gameplay ideas for these first-person horror games, just don't fucking bother. This isn't compelling. This isn't fresh. This isn't interesting. And I know my reward at the end of it is just going to be, you know, another wobbly, headless ghost thing that I'm going to have to turn around and run away from. And that'll be it. Turn around, run away. Find another dial puzzle. Just stop. It's not enough. That's the wine. It's my wine about the wine. Uh, <laughs> garbage. Uh, Conrad, have you played anything else? Um, so after Zombies Ate My Neighbors wound up being like a total fucking disaster, I played Legend of the Mystical Ninja. Mm-hmm. And Linda and I were streaming and she mentioned that game while we were playing Zombies Ate My Neighbors because it's the thing that she associates with that Konami splash yeah. The da -da 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 one, you know, from, from that era of Konami back when, when you felt good when you saw that. Yeah, back when Konami video games. Yeah. Yeah, Legend of the Mystical Ninja is a pretty fun game in co-op, provided one of you doesn't die and then you can't find a shop that, one of the shops that has the extra life item to buy in it for several levels. But I like it. Mm-hmm. I do like it's, uh... It's combination of sort of 2.5D fighting zones with 2D platforming zones and the bosses are creative and the graphics are neat and it feels like a very big expansive game to play. I like it. Mm -hmm. It's a good one. It's the sort of thing that uh, if... Nintendo ever managed to convince Konami to let them put on a subscription service, I would tell people they'd be better off pirating. Yeah. 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 Easy enough to do. It sure is. And how. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Steph, you got anything else? Oh. Yeah, well, you mentioned I played a game called Hentai vs. Evil. Mm-hmm. God, I had fun making the video on that. That is quite a video game that exists. It sure does exist. It's about big-ass anime girls okay. shooting pig-faced orcs and zombies and grim reapers for reasons, and it's trading entirely on the fact that the anime girls have big, fat asses. I've got a big, fat ass, but it don't make me good to play with. <laughs> I'm, I'm selfish. I'm a selfish and considerate lover. That's not true, actually. But it's a uh, that I mean that's that's it's it's anime anime girls with big butts. Yeah, uh, it's ugly. It controls like hell. Uh, it's got three levels, all of them the exact same thing. Uh, there's several of these games. They're ten dollars, 
inexplicably on like consoles, including the Switch. Only the PC version has nipples out, though. Well. So, yeah. you know, inferior product on console. Because it's a bit less content question mark it's really bad <laughs> or is it more con- it's technically it's technically less content on pc isn't it well yeah because they don't have the assets covering the nipples they don't have the oh i didn't think about that probably a bit more dev time on the nippleless version dev time <laughs> <sighs> oh god uh that was it i played some crisis 2 because that's on the switch now yeah oh i really liked crisis 2 yeah i hated the first crisis i don't i don't think that crisis 3 was interesting enough for me to remember any of it crisis 2 i think is top notch i think that's a quality shooter that is mostly because you can just turn invisible and walk through every level (laughs) (laughs) but I will crouch, let's be fair. The invisibility, well, the character is so OP. It's just fun. You can turn on, like, the hard armor so that you don't get hit and just shoot everything. You can turn invisible and just walk past everything. And you'd think that'd be boring, but I spend the whole game just going, tee-hee. I really like it. Looks really nice still. Uh, Looks very nice on the little Switch screen. Um, Yeah. Not much more to say about it. It's, it was just a shooter I really liked back in the day, and considering how much I hated the first Crisis. Um, it's just such a not fun game. Crisis 2 was such a huge jump in fun and quality. Crisis 3 is on the Switch as well, but I don't know if I'd be bothered with it. That's it, really. That's what I've been up to. That's video games. That is video games. That is video games. That, that's video games. Yeah. Shall we get on to some newsy bits, I suppose, then? Mm-hmm. We've, got, we've got a few of those to, to to do today. Seems like a good time. Oh, let, let's start with a nice, nice, light and easy one. Hey, VR game developers forget that different body types exist sometimes. This is not the first time this has happened. Sometimes games will forget people are of different heights and will make things physically impossible to reach for particularly tall or short players. You know, things like this happen sometimes. There are, there are a lot of games that do not take into account people may have to play sitting down. Resident Evil 4 VR has been causing people with boobs to accidentally punch themselves in the boob a little bit because the game only assumes that flat-chested people play and as such has put some uh, in-game items such as grenades and your knife on a flat torso that might physically be further into your body than where your body is. Oops. You know, this this seems like the the sort of thing that would become pretty clear real quickly um, if people who had breasts were doing, well, anything on it, probably, but uh, specifically testing. Yeah. 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 If you thought about more than one demographic... In your audience. Yeah, if you thought for, like, literally more than a second about, like, we are putting this thing here, will everyone be able to get that? Yeah. Like, just have have more than one body type test your game if you're putting things on a character's body in-game. I'm trying to imagine a world in which I forget boobs exist. <laughs> yeah, right. I... 
don't stop remembering they exist. Look, even if you never had any people with boobs on your testing team for this to highlight that this is a problem, is there not one person on your development team who at some point during the process remembered... Oh yeah, boobs. I always think, oh yeah, boobs. But I'm gonna level with you. I don't think that when they think boobs, they don't think injuring boobs. Yeah, yeah. They're not thinking about, they don't have the, the context and perspective of, you know, really smacking themselves in the boob by mistake, which is a very different experience. I gained a new appreciation for that. When the astro made the boobs sore, like... You, you, it winds up, you hit your boobs a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm afraid to even flop face down on a bed these days. It's interesting how you've had to sort of reassess and re-engineer your life because these exist. Yeah. And people have had to do this for all of human existence. Mm-hmm. But we don't design for it. No. No, I mean, this is indicative of a larger problem. That, you know, people don't think about boobs unless they're getting something out of it. Yeah, so um, hopefully that will get changed at some point, maybe, or maybe it won't. Video game developers generally don't seem to care about about boobs. Which is ironic, because they put so many of them in their games. Exactly, just, yeah, but that's the thing, this is VR games. Yeah. No one wants to play a VR game as a character with boobs. That might be weird for the people not with boobs. Yeah. Uh... Oh, you know how we talked recently about those two uh, Activision Blizzard lawsuits that were having a bit of a fight with each other? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the, the short version, there was a federal case and there's the California case, and the California case was being run by two people who had recently left the federal case, and then those two people made a complaint against the federal case, and it's like, no, you're people from the federal case, you can't go somewhere else and then have a complaint against us, that's like, that's... No. And the California case had to very quickly replace those two people and go, please, please don't shut us down. So, unsurprisingly, Activision Blizzard attempted to jump on that as an excuse to pause the California lawsuit. Thankfully, a judge has refused Activision Blizzard's request to pause the California lawsuit. Huh. It really does seem like Activision Blizzard was very willing to uh, jump on the opportunity to not let that California investigation keep going ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like it when things are less convenient for Activision Blizzard. Yeah, apparently very, 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 very quickly after that news broke of the, the conflict of interest, like Activision Blizzard were right fucking on it. I'm stunned. I'm I'm completely shocked and amazed that they would act in such a manner. Please register my shock. Thankfully, there was a sensible enough judge to go, no, no, it's probably a conflict for you to ask us to pause this. You're the ones being investigated. That's, we should probably work that out without your input, one would hope. Also on the Activision uh, Blizzard side, they're not doing BlizzCon online this year. What? Yeah. I mean, they've not said why, but like, <laughs> I do have to wonder. Please. Um, it's, it's very clearly they don't want to get asked awkward questions, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cowards. Well, they're saying they're taking a pause just to sort of reimagine what it might look like in the future and to, you know, make sure that we can come back with a bigger and better one than we're just, we're just taking a year off so that it'll be better than ever. And it's definitely not for any other reason. They're counting on 
Well, they're counting on what's going to happen a year from now. It'll all be forgotten. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's already getting forgotten. Yes. Call of Duty's coming out soon. They don't want to do it during the year where people are still talking about the lawsuits. They want to wait Mm -hmm. for the lawsuit to fall flat on its face so it gets forgotten and then come back. Yeah. Yeah. There are rumours going around that Warner Brothers is trying to make a Smash Brothers clone that's going to have all of their Warner Brothers properties that they have access to in a big fighting game. They keep doing this, Warner Brothers, with films and stuff like and TV shows. Like They're just desperate to find anything to cross over that's going to make them all of the money in the world. The main reason I bring up this Warner Brothers story is like, hey, I've seen a lot of people who have been critical of Warner Brothers for... Uh, certain game publishing decisions then getting very excited about this game hey reminder if this is going to cross over all of the warner brothers video game properties it's probably going to have some harry potter characters in it i'd imagine which is probably (laughs) going to support rowling so just just keep keep that in mind with your excitement folks who were very willing to be like hey maybe we criticize hogwarts legacy maybe just keep that keep that energy in mind if that's how this goes because I, I can't imagine they wouldn't. No, probably not. Yeah. Their, their game's lead seems very unperturbed by people's concerns. Oh, uh, Overwatch's McCree has been renamed. Yeah. Remember, remember that character who was named after a uh, Activision Blizzard employee who was an abusive scumbag? Yep. 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 Uh, they've now renamed him Cole Cassidy. Yeah. And I saw a bunch of... of uh... Of people being like, hey, that's the name of a porn star. And, well, technically, if you flip the names, I did some research into it. Um, I looked very deep and very hard at this issue. Mm. I can confirm there is an adult film actress who goes by the name Cassidy Cole. And if you hear me Googling right now, um, don't worry about it. Personally? Like, I'm a little thicker. What can I say? Well, hello, comrade. Uh, How do you do? <laughs> so, yeah, here's, here's your regular reminder that, like, hey, that character's name had to be changed because they named him after an abuser, and yeah. maybe don't name your video game characters after people who work at your company, maybe. I uh, saw some people dunking on this from the perspective of, oh, you know, this isn't going to make anything better, this doesn't really help but then i saw some other takes countering that that ultimately this is for the staff yeah this is for the people who you know work on this game who don't want to be reminded of this person and have to see that name every day yeah 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 this is this is largely for the handful of people out there who were directly impacted by this person's terrible actions not having to see that person's name anymore in game yeah and ultimately you know no it's not gonna make up for what happened it's not going to change the culture in the industry but fuck you know just just fuck that person yep they deserve to be unpersoned yeah yeah fuck them that said you know what would be even better for the people impacted by uh by jesse mccree the person who uh mccree was named after safe working conditions that'd be nice yeah here's the thing Jesse McCree was named in several um, several places in the the uh, accounts of toxic workplace culture. He departed the company, although no reason for his exit was given, which means he wasn't so much as fired, let alone faced any other actual consequences for what he did. 
maybe mm-hmm. make him face some consequences <laughs> would also be good to do alongside renaming McCree. Oh, that'd be lovely. Yeah, right. Look, this is a positive thing. Yeah, I agree. But it doesn't replace actually seeing consequences against Jesse McCree for the shit he did. Yeah. Oh, Sony's continuing to do what Sony does and patenting stuff. May never turn into anything, but it's always interesting to read about what's going on in the world of patents. Uh, Sony has patented uh, the ability for spectators of a game to vote to remove players. Uh, The patent, titled Spectators Vote to Bench Players in a Video Game, uh, would allow viewers to vote or pay to have a player removed. The patent specifies Twitch as an example of how spectators can view live-streamed games. I can think of so many ways this would go so wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, you've given Twitch chat the ability to make it so that one of the people playing a game on stream doesn't get to play anymore. I wonder if that will be used to push minority players out of gameplay sessions. Maybe. It could very easily be used for that purpose. I can very easily see how that would be a thing. Or just trolls that don't like someone being like, I'm going to hang out on any time you're going to be on a stream somewhere and just use my votes to not let you play at all. It seems real rife for abuse. Yeah. Apparently you could also use it to keep a player in a game, but that would rely on people to... Like, that's that's where the fucking money in this would be, is, oh, that player's going to get booted out of being able to play, uh, t- to play because people spent money. Why don't you spend your money to counter that and bring them back in? Like... Mmm, it feels, it feels, mmm, money grubby. I can see the hooks of where this would get real microtransaction-y real fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Conrad, do you want to tell us about, uh, Notorious? Oh, you mean that excellent Duran Duran song? Oh, if only, if only. Oh. No, uh, so it came out yesterday that there's a new studio formed by a bunch of former Blizzard staff called Notorious Games, and I'm just going to say the sentence again so that people can digest it. A bunch of former Blizzard employees came out as starting a new studio called Notorious Games. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's quite a name to have at this moment for them. At this moment in time, it's a... Like, it's, it almost, like, it communicates something, and I'm sure that's not their intent... But boy, is that a poor choice of name for your company in light of the circumstances. And the the other thing is, I don't think they're doing it intentionally. I did a little bit of digging around. And from what I can tell, Notorious started life as a studio back in April, if not earlier, just on the basis of some, you know, timing of, of people being added in on LinkedIn and things. You know, and I just did some cursory checking. And so I don't believe that they, uh, you know, this isn't one of those situations where they're trying to make hay out of being a departing Blizzard studio at a time when Blizzard is getting tremendously bad press. But at the same time, I can't comprehend why you would think now is the good time to make your studio announcement yeah. With that name in, in light of... And it's clear they're aware of it because the, every piece of press I have seen on it includes a quote from them about how they have zero tolerance for abuse and and such. So, like, they're conscious of the circumstance, but they still did it. 
And that weirds me out. I looked at it a little bit at, at some of the people associated and they, uh, everybody there, for the most part, with like one exception, is a bl former Blizzard employee of, I think, I think the l shortest tenure there might have been three years. Mm. Most people are eight or more. One of the founders has uh, a 13-year track record, uh, and they are the longest by a couple of months from another one. Like, there's a lot of, of Blizzard brain drain, actually, that you can see happening here, which is interesting. Yeah. But, uh, but it's also a lot of people that were clearly present during the time when the company culture was, shall we say, less than uh, desirable. Yeah. And they've, you know, they're making a thing about, well, we're not going to stand for any abuse at this uh, notorious and everything. But they are funded in part by Riot Games. Yes. A company that faces its own allegations of mistreatment of employees and abuse. Not great. It's not a great look. Not a great look. Not a great Although look. Although Riot is one of these companies that seems to have gotten away with it. Like, you know, the community and industry forgot so they can just carry on. But anyone who actually gives a shit about this stuff should be looking at that and being like, that's unfortunate. Right? Yeah. It is unfortunate. Some interesting things that, you know, speculation we could do based on uh, some of the people involved and what they'd done previously and also where some of the money's coming from. Because uh, it's not just Riot. Uh, it seems that they're getting uh, a good chunk of change, uh, how much I don't know, from a VC firm called Galaxy Interactive. And I'm going to apologize in advance to all of the listeners who could not give a shit less about this aspect of it, but I found it oddly compelling. Galaxy Interactive is a uh, VC funding group associated with Galaxy Digital, which is itself a blockchain financial services company. That's interesting to me. Some of the other investments that they've made, they have a Twitch competitor. There's a Twitch competitor called MetaView that is aiming for game streaming audiences with um, some crypto enhancements. Uh, they also own a interactive stream game developer called Captain.tv. And now they have invested in Notorious Games, which interestingly has a lot of, I mean, it's primarily World of Warcraft team members, but there's a key software engineer from Overwatch in there too. Mm. And so when I look at what a VC firm that seems to be very focused on blockchain, getting in with a company that is created by massively online multiplayer experienced people, and they're getting money from one of the biggest esports developers and publishers in the business, they're one to watch. They're going to do something scary, I think. It's going to be worth watching, probably. It's not even, yeah, not even like big scope, although I think that that will be the case because I think they are going to get a lot of money. I think it's going to be big ambition. And I think worst case scenario, whatever they make could indicate a direction that games like this are going. Certainly just based on this, and we've been hearing, you know, everybody wants to figure out how to integrate blockchain into shit now. 
because it's such an effective grift. Mm. This company scares me in some deeply, deeply uncomfortable ways. And I'm not like trying to blow it out of proportion or anything like that. I'm just, it's a canary in the coal mine to me uh, for further financial exploitation. Yeah. So you said we had some positive news, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a nice one to finish on. And I'm glad that the game itself is good uh, before we get to this news story. You know how we were talking last week about how um, uh, Mercury Steam not great at uh, crediting their employees properly? Yep. Well, the Guardians of the Galaxy game uh, developers, uh, Eidos, have been actively very good about crediting someone uh, who left uh, working on that game before it was done. Uh, specifically, a trans developer who worked on Guardians of the Galaxy but left before doing so and came out after leaving the company, was not only credited for their work, despite not having stayed with the company, but the company made the effort to properly credit her with her new name, which is not a thing that should be praiseworthy. That should be the minimum bar. But also, it's very rare we actively hear stuff like this. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well done. That, yeah. is, that is good. That is positive. We have to make sure that we celebrate the minor victories and demonstrate that that's what we want and that they're doing it right. Yeah. Also, apparently one thing that often happens even with companies that uh, will credit people after they've left, uh, if they leave before it ships, is often they will be in the credits, but they'll sometimes be in additional thanks. Uh, nope, they they still credited this person as their job role while they were there, which was technical level design director. They still were credited that way, which is good. That's how you should be doing these things. Hell yeah. Yep. That, that's really nice. It is. Yeah. Hooray. So that's that's a nice thing we can end on. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah. I'll take nice. I'll take a nice ending. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, well then. Laura. Yeah? What you got? Me? What you got? What have I got? What you got? I got, uh, I got stuff at Laura K. Buzz and <gasps> places. Laura K. Buzz, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, all those sort of things. If you go on the Gymporium right now, there's a very cool thing you can get. There's a little Laura K. Buzz logo enamel pin. It's a little heart, and there's a little flame on it, and it's got trans pride flag wings on it, and it's adorable, and it's very affordable. It ships from the UK if you're in the UK. It ships from the US if you're US-bound, etc. It's a lovely little enamel pin. It's got all shiny metal on it and recessed little colours. It's great. You should you should go check it out. It's on the Gymporium. Go look in the LGBT stuff section. You'll find it quick enough. So go check that out. Also, reminder, Who Hunts the Whale? It's a book. It's about the video game industry being bad, shitty, bad people. Go go check that out. It's up for pre-order. Go search uh, Who Hunts the Whale Unbound or go to unbound.com forward slash books forward slash whale. It's up for pre-orders. Go do it some support. Other than that, you know, all my other bloody stuff. Uh, I used to be on a thing called Dice Funk with Comrade. Yeah, that's true. Well, the way you phrased that, it made it sound like you aren't on Dice Funk anymore. No, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm say, on it, and you used to be there. Yes, yeah. It's just, I thought, I thought, I was like, well, I hadn't heard that. But. I jumbled my wording a bit, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm coming back for next season. I'm going to be on season nine, but yeah. All right, well, good. Well, you can find me uh, at Connor and Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can hang out with me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. 
You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pinfultruth.com or at thegymporium.com where we've just added stickers. Um, they're real good stickers. They're uh, vinyl, good for indoor, outdoor use. I certainly wouldn't recommend you, um, you know, uh, deface property with them because that would be wrong. But uh, it would work for that, strangely enough. Uh, so all of that's at thegymporium.com and everything that I do gets supported uh, through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? Who? It's James Stephanie Sterling. <gasps> that's me. I'm bitches. You are bitches. Yeah, patreon.com slash gymquisition. Uh, that's how you can support this show, that show, and the other show. It's all good stuff. I, I as always, am appreciative of any support. That's wonderful. Uh, I also stream at twitch.tv slash jimsterling. Um, probably aiming to at least do Mondays on the regular, Mondays 3 p.m. Eastern. As far as anything else, you can see me live at various places uh, on November 13th at the Howe Building in Pittsburgh. I'll be doing the contract signing with Brandon Kay uh, for the I Quit match, which will be on December 11th. And then on January 15th, I will be in New Jersey for Wrestlers Labs' uh, upcoming show, Chemical MV. So that's all that. Also, last Thursday, the first episode of Night Moves by Enjoy Wrestling came out, and that featured as myself uh, and you can see that at enjoy wrestling's youtube channel uh, and that's it uh, that is the lot that's your lot for today uh, thank you as always for listening sharing supporting whatever it is you do and we will see you next week bye bye bye